back, Dog Earthlets. My name's Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 52nd episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD and Tornado for August 1980, progs 173 to 177. Uh, this week, we're clearing the deck for a fresh start. All thrills and storylines must conclude, except for maybe Judge Dredd. <laughs> Murder them all, except for the uh, the mainstay classic. I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta know what what the money maker is. You know what I mean? <laughs> Supposed so. Yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking of making money, if you do, even oh. if you do it through uh, criminal enterprises and so forth. <laughs> Um. Oh yeah. Yeah. Thrill one. The stainless steel rat saves the world. So our uh, script robot is Kelvin Gosnell. Art robot is Carlos Escara. Lettering robot Pete Knight. Oh yes. Yeah. So we start with a slippery Jim DeGriz entering St. Paul's Cathedral in the year 1807, where uh, Napoleon is meeting with his generals, but Jim isn't interested in the hated Corsican. Instead, he wants he. The time-traveling supervillain. Oh. All the while struggling with the idea that he's about to kill a man in cold blood. Yeah, I think it's interesting that he sort of struggles so much with this, with the uh, morality of taking down a uh, temporal assassin that's killed everyone he knows and loves, you know? Um, oh, he sticks to his guns, man. He's a thief with the heart of gold. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, so things are... Uh, I, I want to also say that, like, things in this story are about to get weird and, like, time traveling. <laughs> So, everybody, please just bear with us. There's some stuff. So, anyhow. Um, gas Napoleon, move yeah. on to the throne room. Yeah, he's, he's sleeping gas as the French generals and calls he out. And when he he shows up, Jim shoots him with a thermite dum-dum round. Yarg! He thinks he's won when suddenly Napoleon shows up behind him and explains that old Boney is actually he in disguise. And then he hits Jim with a sleeping dart and chains him up. I mean, like, he has this opportunity to stop all of these things. And this is such a, a double super bad guy thing. It's just like, let me press this little button, shoot you with the nap time dart. Wait, 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 wait. He has a chance to stop all these things, meaning Jim DeGriz or meaning the villain he? Damn it. <laughs> you gotta be careful. I mean, Jim, Jim DeGriz clearly <laughs> wanted to put a period at the end of this statement mm-hmm. by loading in what are thermite dum dum bullets. Yeah. I think so- it's just that you gotta wait for Napoleon to reveal himself because you can't just shoot him because that would really mess up time if Napoleon died in 1807. <laughs> Dude, you know. it, it would. Although I guess it wouldn't mess up. To, although I guess once Napoleon's already conquered England with tanks and jets, you know, you're so. Just, at, at that point, all bets are off. I guess. I feel like he's kind of got a blank check, mm-hmm. but whatever. No, you're right. Um, anyhow, we once Jim comes to, he's chained up, and we learn that he shot Jim, or sorry, the he that Jim shot was actually a robot, and that he had swapped minds with Napoleon to draw Jim out. But, but also, this whole world was just a fake world designed to trap Jim, and now that Jim's chained up, he will just allow the world to fade away into nothingness, so peace out. 
Luckily, there's a salt shaker on the floor. Yeah, so as as he activates his time helix, <laughs> Jim kicks a, a, a sand shaker, I think, it act, whatever, some kind of thing, into the controls, sending he to parts unknown. Uh, either way, Jim's stuck in a dissolving reality, and uh, he, I mean Jim, resol- resigns himself to his fate. <laughs> And nothing worse than a dissolving reality. I mean, De- really. Definitely a bottom three things to happen to your reality. <laughs> um, but Jim's resolved until Angelina shows up. Woo! She's looking hot in her weird helmet. She's got a crazy, um, like, really neck protectory um, future armor helm, future armor getup. Because nothing's worse than getting stabbed in the back of the neck when you're traveling through time. I mean, that feels accurate. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you don't know what's out there. Yeah. So Angelina explains that it was actually Jim that dissolved during the time war. And she's been hunting for him through time ever since. But not before she can just basically tell him, quit your bitching. Yeah. You know. Angela is very brusque and doesn't care about the details of this time stuff, which I feel like is a good attitude. Um, <laughs> anyhow, they all have to go t- uh, 20,000 years into the future to take out he once and for all. They arrive in midair above future Earth, and Jim's grav shoot on his, ar- on, on his space armor doesn't work, so he falls in the future mud and then gets attacked by a future giant snake. <laughs> Set blasters to flesh. I, that was like my favorite thing because she was like, "Oh, I don't think that's a tree at all." Thoughtful face. It's a living nightmare. It's like I would be freaked out the minute that I knew that. I'd be like, "Get off that giant fucking snake." Yeah. Well, you but know, no, let's take let's take this fucking slow and and deliver it. Well, I they, guess it, they, they managed to take it out as soon as they set blasters to flesh. So it's, it's sort of you know. <laughs> You can Which be, is pretty good. Yeah, you can be lackadaisical about creeping horrors if you're just going to be able to kill them instantly, I guess. Yeah, all right. You, you, you got rem- yeah. to remember that, that the Grizzes are on God mode basically at all times. So, like, <laughs> they, can sort of, they can sort of breeze through certain challenges that might have others, like, in, uh, in, in, you know, in trouble, basically. Thank God for flesh setting. It's true. Um, so while recovering from fighting that monster, the pair are accosted by a bunch of weird talking thugs, which Angelita quickly takes out with karate chops and quit and kicks. So don't uh, count her out. But anyhow, yeah. it's time to take on he. Hopefully, third time's the charm. Well, <laughs> you know. Outside He's Castle, Jim and Angelita try to decide their next move when they're accosted by a bearded Drax the Destroyer kind of guy. His race has no sense of humor. Um, so they try to tell him a fib, and he's like, fuck right off, who are you? Yeah, so instead Jim just tells the truth, like, dude, we're we're from the future, we're gonna do stuff. And he's like, oh, you guys are the time travelers? Like, thousands of these audio messages have been dropping from the sky for the last, like, week. Like, you want to listen to this? <laughs> and so, as Jim keeps talking to this weird dude, Angelina does the yeoman's work and actually like listens to the recording while he gets a life story. Well, yeah, he he's getting vi- he's doing vital ex- exposition duties as he talks to the beard guy, aka Dian. And mm-hmm. so, apparently, in the future, the polar ice caps melt and Earth is mostly abandoned for Mars. Um, <laughs> Second time disastrous polar ice cap <laughs> meltings have appeared on this 2000 AD. Oh, oh God. Took Anyhow, that long. 
the the few remaining humans on Earth fought each other savagely, with he rising to the top of the heap. Uh, he has now fa- uh, found all the left-behind nuclear missiles on Earth, and he's been just kind of lobbing them at Mars in exchange for extortion. But the Mar but Mars is is poor, so they can't really pay. Uh, so Diane and his troopers are here to take down he. But the Martians are real bad at fighting, and only like six or seven dudes are left to fight. Um, meanwhile, Earth has become that, um, you know, barrel full of rats that like um, that guy talked about in that James Bond movie, basically. Um, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Angelina reveals the message. They have 2.3 days before he leaves Earth, leaving behind a massive bomb that will destroy the planet. Mind you, this timeline changes frequently in the next few pages. I can't stress enough that, yeah, it's 2.3 days before he leaves and the 2.9 before Earth is destroyed. So basically, that just means that they can't wait for reinforcements of Martian troops. So, Jim, Angelina, Diane, and Diane's dudes are flying via grav chute into He's Fortress by having, like, Jim use the chute, which basically just lets him fly, I guess. And then yep. everybody else hanging from a rope ladder that he's holding on to below him, which is pretty funny, actually. Yeah, it's, like, a really weird picture. Yeah. Guess what? It doesn't really work. It works for a while, but eventually they end up crashing into the building, like, through a big skylight, and it's fighting time! Oh, yeah. Pretty good action here. Angelina takes out some snipers. A dude gets eaten by deadly plants and, like, so on. Eventually. Grubbles are grubble. (laughs) Eventually, they reach he, and Jim tosses a a powerful explosive at him. But it's no use because this is just another fake. It's 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 a hologram, and it's a gloating hologram, too, explaining that in one hour, all of Earth will be destroyed. So not 2.3 days. Nope. Now it is it's a couple up. hours. Yeah. So with one hour to Earth, destruct, to Earth destruction and as he's hologram disappears, a brand new time helix suddenly up, suddenly appears. It's a setup from the future Bill and Ted style. It, it's actually exactly Bill and Ted style yeah. because he's like, if only a time helix appeared out of thin air, it does. And then, oh, look, all of the answers to our current problems. Yeah, because it's also got an audio recording just full of ways to save the day, basically. <laughs> um, it's got a, a message for how to disarm the bombs, at least for like a while, which will allow the Martians to escape. Um, and since most of humanity is on Mars anyway, the destruction of Earth really isn't a big deal. Uh, Jim makes sure they've got the spelling of his name right for the statues and memorials they'll eventually build to him. And uh, there's one thing I know about 2000 AD: the statues are important. Absolutely. Hey, man, I'm always I'm always interested in making sure my statue's name is spelled correctly. I got a complicated last name. Um, Hell yeah, buddy. <laughs> so Jim and Angelina return to the year 30,000 just in time to get Koi Poo to set up all the stuff that just happened, which I thought was yeah. pretty funny. Um, so this apparently completes a time loop. I guess he is headed back to the 20th uh, century where Jim, where Jim will stop him again. And, and a lot of words happen about that. Basically, he is now stuck in a time paradox, so victory! Yay, um, <laughs> he can't really escape, I guess, whatever. I can't stress that you don't have to think about it that much. Meanwhile... <laughs> Hey, and, look, it's the twins. Yeah, Angelina returns with their kids, James and Bolivar, which, by the way, the stainless steel rat's name is James Bolivar de Grizz, so he named his kids James and Bolivar? I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, like, he's obviously obsessed with himself, might as well make his children little 
I wonder if they're yeah, if they're both junior. Like, is Boulevard to Grizz Junior, uh, or is is he Boulevard to Grizz Junior too? Anyhow, um, all I'm saying is I know why they didn't take Angelina's male name for one of them because no boy in this comic should be called Angel. Oh, oh call back. <laughs> so <laughs> fuck the the kids are five years old now. Um, just because of weird stuff with the time stream, basically. Um, when the boss of Special Corps in Skip shows up with all the accounting stuff that Jim has to deal with, the uh, the, twi- the twins beat him up and steal his watch and wallet, which is to be expected. Ugh. With their crime kids in tow, our lovely couple <laughs> of space criminals heads off into the sunset. To do some crimes. Absolutely, yeah. The stainless steel rat will return, but not until 1984 with the stainless steel rat runs for president. Oh, that's awesome. Really? Yeah, it's going to be good. That's perfect. Why not? uh, I'll I'll spoil you a little bit and say that by then the uh, the kids will have grown up and they'll be like teenagers for that and stuff. It's going to be a very uh, interesting setup. Perfect. Well, that's exciting. I'm a, God. I really love stainless steel rat. I mean, this was weird because it was just like, ah, oh, whatever. There's so much time travel stuff. Yo, there's like, you know, I read the books when I was. I read a bunch of the books when I was a kid. There's like 14 of them, and they're all like on Kindle and stuff. Definitely worth worth a look. Also, this one's a bummer. To, like, I want to say the stainless steel rat. I liked it a lot too. It's a real bummer that I feel like this is one of the few things we've read that doesn't have a full like collected edition. Like, you can't like go on Rebellion. Oh, yeah. And get a uh, a graphic novel of all of these um, stories, probably for licensing reasons or something like that. Yeah, but, you know, I would imagine so. Yeah, it's definitely a shame because these are just sort of fun, bouncy, like sci-fi action stories. You know, and anything that ends with, uh, I mean, I guess it's not an homage, but a Bill and Ted esque experience gets some points for me. They definitely do all the fun, like you know. Both all the all the 2080 time travel stuff usually does the fun stuff you want to see with time travel, you know. Yeah. And Set, then when it gets complicated, it's just like whatever. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Just a lot of hand, you know, a lot of fun stuff followed by hand waving. That's the key. Very Sp- much so. Speaking of things that are maybe less fun, Fox. Mm. Thrill to the mind of Wolfie Smith. That's pretty fun. <laughs> so it's uh, over. Yeah, Art Robots, Tom Tully. Or, uh, sorry, script robots, Tom Tully, art robots are Jesus Redondo and Mike Dory, drawing as Jay Clow. Uh, lettering robot is Jack Potter and P. Bensberg. So, <laughs> what do you su- do when you have a psychic locked up in a jail? Well, no, we're su- yeah, we're suddenly on the set of a standard police procedural as a bunch of cops question Wolfie Smith about recent events and especially stuff about Harry Kramer. Tired of them doubting his abilities, Wolfie just, you know, and after being challenged to prove his mental abilities, of course, like you said. uh, Wolfie teleports out of the interrogation room and into the nearby parking lot, stealing the head cop's sweet car. Um, And then using psychic powers, avoiding all detection by police. Absolutely, yeah. The governor puts out a full APB on Wolfie and sets up roadblocks. Wolfie outruns them. Eventually, he ditches the car and heads back to where all this started at the pet shop. But a shadowy figure is waiting for his return. I wonder how he's going to get out of this mess. Uh, God mode psychic powers. So, <laughs> several thugs are lying in wait for Wolfie, but their thrown knives and physical attacks go right through him because Wolfie is projecting a mental image to distract them. He then oh, wow. telekinetically covers them in garbage. 
So, there you go. That's how you fix a problem. Yep. Wolfie continues into the pet store, using his mental powers to open locked doors ahead of him. He attacks Albert, the store owner, using his mental powers again to extract information. Kramer well, is at South Sea on the Ocean Queen. So the guy came at him again with a gun, and the last time he did that, Wolfie made him point it at himself. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like just just don't arm yourself, man. Just give in to our psychic overlords, you know? Yeah, well, clearly. <laughs> so, Wolfie heads to the waterfront to find the Ocean Queen. Um, he's starving, he hasn't eaten in a long time, so I guess the plan is he goes to, like, a bingo hall and then uses his psychic this powers to, like, cheat and win a bunch of prizes. But as usual, he uses his psychic powers extremely unsmoothly. Um, and uh, uh. enough that everybody sees that he's winning the bingo, all the bingo prizes. And so he's forced to start a riot to cover his escape. <laughs> yeah, and when you fuck with the people who own a bingo hall, chances are they've got bikers in wait. Yeah, well, it's weird because I guess this is a, it's not a money bingo hall. They just give out, like, random prizes. So Wolfie escapes yeah. with the giant stuffed bear. Oh, yeah, this was weird. And he trades it for dinner. Yeah, he's just able to walk into a diner, be like, hey, I got a giant uh, stuffed, stuffed teddy bear. Um, can I have a plate of mixed grill and mash? And the uh, the guy's like, not only that, like you can have dessert too. I'll like exchange my wares for you know barter them for uh, carnival toys. I like to believe that this is just how England functioned in 1980. <laughs> it's just like a barter <laughs> on a, system. On a weird barter. Yeah, no money. You just had to like you you had to just hope that you did well at the bingo hall so you'd have enough um random goods to be able to trade for your daily staples hey man you never know when a giant teddy bear might come in handy you know there, what i mean i always say that their ways are mysterious to us but anyhow <laughs> with his belly full wolfie is suddenly accosted by mo- motorcycle thugs that are friends of the people at the bingo place he manages to cause them to crash into the water and the wreckage reveals the uh the ship the ocean queen docked in a rundown part of the london pier yeah it seems legit why don't we have a pop star idol come here and come to our party boat well the boat's full of rich people types and out of a car comes Zena, the latest teen superstar and she's gonna be the crime the star of kramer's next crime oh my god <laughs> like they couldn't even do like a cameo from that chick who was from the movie or something they just made oh up, yeah like, yeah they didn't character they couldn't bring back Ly- lyra or something yeah this also like Wolfie's definitely perving on Zeta, and she's clearly like 13 years old or something. It's it's kind of oh creepy. yeah. No, um, he he calls it out. Like he's yeah. like, oh, she was a pop idol at like fucking 13. Yeah, let me be weird. Mm-hmm. So as Wolfie looks on from the shadows, we see Zena being greeted by Kramer in a hunchback of Notre What's It costume, <laughs> pretending to be yeah. someone called Mister Goodright. They're pretending that the boat is a costume party, but really it's a kidnap boat. <laughs> So. And in the king of the worst ideas that he is, he decides to have a really bad idea. Yeah. So, Wolfie sees a way to clear his name by saving the pop star and taking down Kramer. So, he uh, he puts a plan to action. He finds Doesn't a- she have to be stolen first? I just want you, like, everyone who's listening to us so far, she hasn't been kidnapped yet. I mean, she's she, just been invited. She's on the boat, and I guess, like, her um, chauffeur slash bodyguard guide is just sort of, they just sort of told her to, told him to take the night off, I guess? Yeah. But there's definitely been no ransom note sent or anything like that. Like, 
Wolfie definitely attacks her during the um, lull her into a false sense of confidence um, part of the kidnapping and not the um, lower the boom, now you're kidnapped um, part of the kidnapping, which seems like a bit... Exactly. Again, Wolfie's not very smooth with this stuff. That's been the continuing thing of Wolfie Smith. He's not smart. He's the yeah. dumbest man alive. Which is okay. Let's not let's not uh, get ahead of ourselves. So, uh. Wolfie finds a bunch of dark alleys in the port, looking for tiny evil eyes. Uh. As various folks get down on the party slash kidnap boat, Wolfie climbs aboard. Ahead of him comes a giant army of rats. And uh. the rats attack all the party goers and swarm over Kramer. Holy crap! It's crazy. They are everywhere, and they are biting people, and they are eating Kramer. (laughs) If we didn't know that this was a kidnapped boat, this would just be a straight, like, um, Ben horror movie type situation. (laughs) With Wolfie as the bad guy. Um, So, Wolfie tries to save Zena, quote-unquote. She kicks him in the shin and escapes. Uh, Meanwhile, Kramer has been eaten alive by the rats. (laughs) And... Uh. As Wolfie tries to go back on the run, the rats keep following him. We end with Wolfie running down the road, a huge swarm of rats following him, thinking to himself, you'd never believe he was the most intelligent person in the world. Ha <laughs> ha, we never did. Uh, <laughs> the end of Wolfie Smith forever. And like being chased out, or rather, I guess, followed by a massive pack of rats is just the fucking dollop of shit ice cream on top of this terrible I cake i think it's a fitting end to this terrible terrible kid and his terrible psychic adventures um, I, I don't know if it was on purpose or not like okay so because this is the last of it like you've mentioned this before i think i've mentioned this before the art for this is fantastic oh yeah like it is so well drawn and so well everything else. Like, hey, like the letters are great, and yeah, this last know, episode really was drawn complain. by uh, by a 2080 favorite uh, Mike Dory as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I mean, I I don't know if the writer was just told to do this or if it was their idea, but man, it did not come to a fruition. <laughs> I feel like they're trying. Like to me, this feels like an attempt to make like a cool kid that's like kind of a punk and doesn't care about things and sort of out for himself and stuff, which I think can be cool if you're like a 10-year-old reading about a 16-year-old or something like that. But the execution isn't super well done. And like, especially to older readers, this guy just seems like a punk kid that's like, you know, not cool. <laughs> well, at, at best to the 10-year-old, he's the asshole older brother that you have. And to the worst of it, you're older and you're looking at this person saying like, I mean, yeah, I you know, some of these things are all right, but most of the things he does are dumb as hell. Yeah, I think, the, yeah, the execution's kind of botched. Although I do kind of appreciate, like, him having these psychic powers, but it not just being an instant path to uh, to riches or anything like that. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, that's fair. The, the idea of sort of a greatest American hero style, like, I got these psychic powers, but they don't always work, and I have trouble using them right and stuff like that. There's something there for a story, I think. Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, that's the thing is that I loved the, not loved, I enjoyed almost enough of, like, the first run of Wolfie Smith because yeah. he was doing, like, creepy, not not so much um, uh, Scooby-Doo-esque mystery solving, but mm-hmm. somewhere approximate to it. Yeah, definitely. And, like, and then walking into the sunset, which I thought was pretty good. Yeah. But instead, it just closes full circle. He's just, like, the guy that he murdered in that house. It, it, yeah, for sure. 
definitely. Yeah, so uh, so this creative team will will um, do do more stuff. Tom Tully is going to be writing the forthcoming su- uh, future sports comic, Mean Arena. And oh, cool. Jesus Redondo will, in a couple months, be doing art for Super Crazy Adventure uh, Return to Armageddon. All right. Yeah, that's good. Um, speaking of not, yeah, I'm I'm excited for both those stories. Honestly, you know, future sports, I think, is something that that we we both kind of like the idea of. Weirdly, yeah. And I'm excited for us to talk about Return to Armageddon, just because I remember it just being like a whoa, this is weird kind of thing. <laughs> awesome. Speaking of wa- of walking of of running into the sunset, or rather, not going into the sunset. <laughs> let's oh. go to Thrill Three, Judge Dread. I would have also accepted, whoa, this is weird. (laughs) (laughs) Three, two, one, go. (laughs) So, script robot for this month of Judge Dredd is John Wagner and Alan Grant, writing as John Howard. The art robots are Brian Bolland and Ron Smith. Lettering robots, Tom Frame. Tom Frame. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Dredd rides his lawmaster through the cupcake houses and tightrope walking citizens of the planet of Bedlam on the hunt for spaceship pilot Prosser, who is rapidly disappearing by taking mercy drugs that speed up his jigsaw disease. I think it's real horrific, man. Yeah, dude. It's It really reminds me of... Um, did you see the movie Looper? Yes. Like, like there's that part in Looper where that guy's running, but like they're cutting parts off of his, off of, of like his past self. Yeah. So, so oh. but there's real similar beats in here where like Prosser is like he like falls off the side of something and he's holding on by his fingers, but then his fingers disappear and so he like just falls and stuff. It's real crazy. Oh. It's real. It's this whole part's real disturbing. Um. Dread fi- finally sees him um, running and sort of catches up with him. By the time Dread catches him, Prosser's basically just like an eye, a mouth, a piece of head, and like a thumb, just lying in like a pool of his clothes, basically. Ugh. Prosser tells his story to Dread. He's he was a spaceship pilot. The Angel Gang hijacked his ship, made a deal with him, and then Junior Angel killed everybody aboard because Junior Angel is like the worst human um, ever. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like begging his father yeah, and he's like how could a father say no because he just whinily begs to murder huge swaths of people <laughs> like that's his move and then laughs about them exploding oh yes they leave the airlock <laughs> so uh, aboard the ship prosser got his future read by the judge child who said he'd be dead soon and because of that the angels just marooned him in, a, in an escape pod causing him to land on bedlam and get jigsaw disease so just kind of like with with a, that Pharaoh guy, though. This is a death that was basically set in motion by Owen Chrysler's predictions, which makes, gives us an interesting perspective on what's up with this Judge Child. Yeah, especially over the next couple issues. Mm-hmm. Still, we learn that the angels are headed out to the planet Xanadu. Back on the ship, Lopez has died, and Hershey isn't pleased about it, but Dredd knows that some sacrifices have to be made for the law. That's why you shave off your mustache. So, <laughs> Yeah, what the hell, man? But also, I like, bro sticking to his guns in a super awkward situation and mm-hmm. then just writes it off as, hey, she's got to get used to people dying. I mean, Dredd's super tough and sort of put, puts it down to Hershey being a rookie for why she is sort of freaked out by it. Um, yeah. Really, I think something that's really interesting to see, we've seen it a little bit, but we're really going to see it as we finish up The Judge Child, is just how grim and, like, um, 
violent Dredd starts to get as this story goes on. Really? Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, maybe not this next two stories, but we'll start to see it sort of once they get to Xanadu, I guess. Um, the Justice One. So next up, the Justice One picks up a, a, a passenger from a refuge station. Uh, planted. Oh, it looks, God, like a hairy plant with a fucking tarantula like hair. And, yeah. uh, it's Rimble Limpop Quits, a traveling space salesman. Yeah, I'd say he looks like that, or like a um, he looks like a tiki mask that's been carved out of like a pineapple. That's what I. That's my best um. Just description I mean, of him for me. He's yeah, weird looking. He's got a lot. Of, he's got a lot of arms. He's kind of disturbing. Creeps me the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. As much. Yeah. As good. Like. Oh, I, actually, no. I want to say that at the end. Anyhow. Um. So he's got tiny suitcases that unfold to contain billions of different things. Many of them sort of miniaturized, including different alien species and stuff. Dread isn't interested in souvenirs and tells Quince to can it. A few hours later, <laughs> Quince is on the prowl. Because he's either selling something on this ship, or he's taking something to sell, and he's decided to take the judges. He, Which, not a great idea, man. No, this is a mistake. He throws tiny white globes, which miniaturize and knock out uh, Judge Hershey, Dredd, and Larder. Dredd awakens to find himself and the other two judges in a box with crushed paper as a, uh, a three-pack of Mega City judges for 40 galactic groats. <sighs> Kind of cheap, if you ask me, but you know, yeah. Whatever. What 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 are you gonna do? Anyhow, this guy's a jerk. Dread awakens the other judges, and it's time for some tiny justice. Oof. So Quince argues with the Justice One robots to land the ship on a planet. As the tiny judges make their way through Quince's bag, uh, honey, I shrunk the kids style. <laughs> um, Dread, <laughs> hey. yeah, it's true. Dread finally makes it to his bike, and he starts shooting up the place as both tiny judges and robots now attack the salesman. Well, and the robots were, like, not taking any shit. They're like, yeah, you're not a judge. We're not going to listen to you, dude. Yeah, like, like the judges don't just... Di- yeah, ju- judges don't just disappear from the ship, dude. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're robots, not fucking humans. We're not goddamn stupid. Yeah, we're not, we're not dumb bots, you know? Yeah, <laughs> dude. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> Dread manages to miniaturize Quince and knock him out, and as the various monsters and stuff in Quince's case start to wake up and go crazy, Dread finds a globe that enables him to return to normal size and quickly end any trouble. Dude, they shoot him in the eyes with tiny little lasers. It's, it's cool. It's, well, like, yeah, man, you know, again, like, these are, the, all these judges are, like, full-on killing machines. Like, the fact that they're tiny isn't going to change the fact that they've got bullets that fire high explosives, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> Quince is oh, put God. in like um, a form-fitting like case thing and put back or uh, a, a container and is returned to his case to be prosecuted later. It's basically this case is just a a, a, a bunch of like one of my Warhammer 40k case, uh, uh, figure cases, figure boxes, yeah. but full of Fucking like living genius. beings. So anyhow, welcome to the planet Xanadu. It's lawless. All the uh, criminals on the run and stuff end up here. And it's where the Angel Gang is rolling from town to town, killing and robbing and being general jerks. It's kind of not so lawless. Like, you'd think that people would be pretty alright with all this shit with the Angel Gang, but everyone's like, oh, we're trying to, like, have us a hotel and drive us a station or a coach, whatever. Yeah. And they're just, like, fucking it all up. Yeah, they're just, like, like they're taking turns. Like, all right, mean mean angel, you just take over the town this time. Mean goes up to three on his head dial and starts headbutting everything he sees. 
it's pretty great. They yeah. kill dudes with a uh, with a porch. Definitely, yeah. He takes down porches. He takes down uh, stage coaches. Whatever. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, the gang rolls into a local hotel, takes the presidential suite, kicking out the former occupant. They gun down the sheriff as the judge child speaks, prophesizing death is coming for them. Death in black. Meanwhile, Judge Dredd is having dreams of the Judge Child, and Dredd's starting to seem worried about the morality of this kid. Um, I mean, I would be too, where he's just like, hey, uh, so, like, even I don't know the full extent of my powers, but, you know, I saw possible futures and chose one, so they deserve to die. I think this is also where he starts saying that he can't see his own future, but I'm not sure if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, he says yeah. that he can't see his own. But so, uh, Owen insists that Dredd come save him, and the final act of the Judge Child saga has begun. The, uh, with a money parade. Uh, <laughs> this part was so awesome. Yeah, the Justice One arrives on, on Xanadu, and Dredd dumps a bag of money on all the people, saying he's Make got... Yeah, he makes it literally rain on the people. He says he's got two more bags of this of money for anybody who has information about the location of the Angel Gang. Why? Zan- because this is just criminals will just turn each other and. I mean, they want they're they're criminals because they want money, dude. <laughs> Xanadu's a planet of crooks, and their greed will betray them soon enough. Except for weird gorillas. Especially weird gorillas, dude. We, the last frog, a Scottish ape man, tries to ambush Dredd for the reward money. But it's no good because Dredd just kills all the apes and his, kills the ape and all of his buddies. And this is where we start seeing Dredd getting super violent. There's been times where he wouldn't have just gunned these dudes down, but he definitely does here. Yep. Um, as Dredd just sort of walks back into the street and says to the Undertaker, who seems to just be following Dredd around at this point, he just says, like, there's three more in the alley there. <laughs> um, in the nearby town of Drybone, the Angels have set up their own court, and they're basically just hanging people for fun before they move on to the next town to do the same thing, as the Judge Child continues to gloat over their fate. Which, all right. Yeah, at the same time, Dredd finds a blind man with a blind horse. Oh, this is so awesome. Yeah. This is, so, this is so Dredd. It's so cool, dude. He's just, both the horse and the dude have their faces wrapped up in bandages, basically. <laughs> this guy is a blind old Joe. He met the angels back when he was just old Joe. <laughs> the angel gang put out his eyes, and now he's out. He's bent on revenge. He can sense the angels and will lead Dredd right to him. He'll be his dude, gun. He- Dude, he senses them by hate. Hate yeah, in his eyes. It's awesome. Oh my god. The judge child tells this to the angels and they decide to split up. The older angel kids, Link and Mean Machine, will stay behind to cover their escape. As Pa Jr. and Chrysler, the uh, judge child, head out. Next next time, Fallen Angels. Alright. Well, damn. Lots of uh, lots of awesome weird shit happening in Judge Dredd again. Things are super duper coming to a head as sort of we leave the episodic space travel part of our adventure and go to the showdown between Dredd and the Angel Gang section of our uh, of this story. Gee, I wonder how this will end. I think it will end awesomely. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it was a pretty damn good showing. I, yeah. I will say, hate is my eyes. It's possibly one of my favorite. Uh, lines out of this comic so far. He's my eyes. You'll be my gun. Yeah, it's good. (laughs) So, hey, speaking of things that are possibly less thrilling, fucks. 
Let's go no. to non-thrills, covers, nerve center, pinups, film reviews, and Galactic Olympics. Oh my god, so many things. It's a lot, well, you know, it's, an, it's there's, there's another five Prague episodes, so it's got a lot going on. Um, Prague 173, help me judge dread the planet's sending me to pieces. There's this a weird mouth. T- we had just a floating prosser mouth. This is there's a bunch. We've just been going through a bunch of famous covers in 1980. This is another one as we see Brian Bolland's art of prosser's disembodied disembodied mouth pleading with dread. Uh, the big news with this prog is that the price of the prog has been raised to 14 pence. It's a <gasps> bloody outrage. I can't even believe this. For reference, um. 14 pence is about 33 cents in 1980 dollars. Um, and in this same month in American comics, you could buy Doctor Strange number 42 for 40 cents, which um, was an every two months comic, but only had about 18 pages per comic. Wow. We, uh, we overcharged some kids. I mean, who knows? You know, I mean, <laughs> you're probably also buying fewer comics just because you sort of buy these 2080. I don't know. I don't know how, the, how it works, basically. But anyhow... In the nerve center, Tharg the dynamic. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's all uh, superhero-esque, I guess. No, he's just ripped. Oh, yeah, super ripped. Well, he's kind of hulky, too. He's like, whenever someone has sort of the dark, uh, he's, got, he's got kind of underpants on the outside that make me sort of make, look sort of super, superhuman to me. But um, anyhow, Tharg apologizes for the price increase and talks about a new end of mag feature coming next week, the Galactic Olympics. Which, eh. Uh, in the letters, Keith Venice of Eastbourne calls out Rojas for getting the name of Star Wars composer John Williams wrong. Mid Prague, Rojas gives up a bunch of films, a bunch of films, film reviews. Dude, I am I am mad. Props to whoever actually wrote all of these because The Empire Strikes Back is like a pivotal fucking movie, mm-hmm. and not anywhere in there were there anything kind of coming close to spoilers totally yeah no they definitely don't bring up any of the big yeah definitely i i agree it's i really love these reviews of um things as they come out and stuff it's you know yeah for me for someone who like you know i was born like like i was born a couple months after empire strikes back came out you know so it's always been part of my life and always been such a big deal and stuff it's interesting to read these reviews of people for whom it's sort of just come out and just sort of maybe Still an event movie, but largely just another movie, you know? I do like that he slags off C-3PO, though. <laughs> Definitely. Um, there's also reviews for f- the movie's final countdown and the daytime ended. I sort of looked up reviews for a bunch of these for these movies as well. Um, final countdown seems to mostly be famous because they were allowed to shoot on the uh, aircraft carrier, the USS Nimitz, and so they show mm-hmm. a lot of, like planes taken off and landing and just day-to-day stuff on the aircraft carrier and that's sort of what you're there for basically it's sort of cool real-life jet stuff um the daytime ended seems to be mostly forgotten like the only the real place i can find reviews are basically just sort of modern like this website is about bad movies here's my bad movie review of the daytime ended kind of websites like the if you go to the wikipedia page it's just a bunch of like enter the synopsis of this movie here entries and stuff wow Um, all right then yeah it's crazy this issue ends with a very nice pinup of angelina looking both hot and deadly uh affirmative yeah 
yeah, I, I know what I'm talking about. In Problem yeah. 74, Kev O'Neill gives us a little taste of termite on the cover as a Terminator prepares for the 2080 Galactic Olympics. In the nerve center, Tharg the Jogger promotes the Galactic Olympics, defends against yeah. charges of sexism, and dismisses the challenge of Darth Vader. Also, lost astronaut picture, I, it looks a little bit like Hitler with aviators. Agreed. Um, he also directs one reader to another reader to purchase new thrill circuits. <laughs> At the end of the prog, welcome to the Galactic Olympics. Space chess oh is totally canceled and all other events are pending. <laughs> I'm so proud of you right now. It's the second time I've done that joke. But anyhow... <laughs> Seriously, though, this is a fun little panel, sorry, a fun little pullout and staple section. The art and writing droid is Steve Maher, and he's got a neat, like, he's got a pretty good, a fun writing style, and his art style is very similar to, like, Don Adams, I guess, from, uh, like, like Mad Magazine and stuff. It's kind of a floppy cartoon art style. Uh, The events this time are the Cyborg and Robot Marathon and the Laser Slalom. Yay! Uh, plus, there's a front cover and intro page. So there is a lot of uh, robo hate in these Space Olympics, man. <laughs> yeah, man. You know that's how it goes when you have a, just a just a slave class that's forced to perform for humans. You know. Anyhow, yeah. <laughs> on page 175, I feel like it's been a while since Dave Gibbons has sort of had his work on the show, but he's back Dude, here. It's awesome. Yeah, with a sweet robot warrior riding a robot dragon, just sort of because this here's an awesome picture, basically. Um, so why not? Yeah, in the nerve center, Tharg the superhero touts the end of the VCs and answers questions about galactic growths, why the popularity contest doesn't act about fa- ask about favorite artists, and why there isn't a Tharg comic. There is a Tharg comic, dummy. Um, oh yeah, I feel oh, yeah. like yeah, I feel like Tharg's answer for why there aren't um, quit why there aren't polls for favorite artists is actually factually correct. Like they don't want like IPC management doesn't want to be able to have an artist say, "Hey, I'm the most popular artist on this script on this uh, in this comic. Give me more money." You know, <laughs> they just sort of yeah. want to keep that mysterious. Because- I mean, that's that sounds like. Uh- Sounds like capitalist fucking businesses, man. Indeed. Especially because in, in Steve McManus's books, he talks about how they did act like Tharg says they keep them all mysterious from creators. But according to McManus, they actually did have like a big like they would compile all the answers from these coupons and have a big board of what's popular and stuff in the in the office. Which is fairly easy to like track against. Like, yeah. who's writing well, who's arting well. Yeah, you but know? It, it's it, it, it's a little bit less of actual hard copy and kind of being, you know, you can play one person against the other and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyhow, this prog ends with a sweet pinup of the VCs and all their geek vaping glory. And then the yeah. Olympic pullout uh, covers ground to air, guided darts, asteroid cool. death conquers, which is my favorite. Cool. Uh, row butcher wrestling and mega weightlifting. Yes. <clears throat> Uh, mega weightlifting, you know, whatever. It's just kind of a black hole joke, basically. <laughs> um, Dude, Ro Butcher took the gold. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say. Good yeah. job, Ro Butcher. <laughs> In Prague 176, King's Reach Tower is headed for the stars, as documented by Carlos Escara. It's pretty cool yeah. looking shot, man. It's totally awesome. Yeah, it's just this big office building blasting off like a rocket. Yeah. <laughs> In the nerve center, Mac Tharg mentions yeah. <laughs> mentioned that this is the start of several Tharg stories we'll see in the coming weeks. 
We have a writer theorizing that we don't see Dredd's face because he's shy, maybe. But of course, we all know that we don't see Dredd's face because it's horribly, disgustingly scarred. Just FYI. I mean, apparently. Uh, yeah, it was like in our first episode where like a bunch of thugs took Dredd's helmet off and they were so grossed out by his face they surrendered to him, you know? <laughs> Um, Which, like, holy shit. <laughs> um, Mid-prog, there's a pretty awesome McMahon pinup of Dredd standing over Mega City 1. I shall return! Oh, yeah. The, uh, the, the, Olympic this, the Olympic events this week are the Proto-Giglian death jumping event, which is a equestrian event that's basically just sort of a vehicle for a lot of jokes about British equestrian Harvey Smith that I didn't really get. Um <laughs> There's cosmic windsurfing, high-speed, computer-powered snooker, and heavyweight, cool. yeah, and heavyweight android boxing, which Boo. looks like rock'em sock'em robots. And I don't appreciate. Um, no. <laughs> in Prague 177, AALN1 goes out in a blaze of glory against the dictators of Zrag. Again, drawn what by Carlos Oscara. Yeah. In the nerve center. Tharg the robot warns us of the total thrill power coming in Prague 178. And a reader demands more nerve center pages, which we'll actually get in 179. Huh. Mid prog, there's some cool monster drawings. I like the death pile and the sugar loop from Magagoon. Okay, oh. so the sugar loop's pretty cool. I like the Groody just because it looks like something you'd see out of like MTV or something. Mm -hmm. It's kind of neat. Yeah, it's got kind of uh, but... a liquid television kind of look. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the last warrior of the sword and his. Manuga fighting beast. That one's pretty Just cool because too. Because that shit's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the final galactic events are galactic Olympic events are acid sea surfing and asteroid pogo, and then there is just like a the middle page. I guess is a full intergalactic space race board game. Which all right. You know, it seems like the middle pages are always some, some kind of board game in these things, which is kind of interesting, I guess. Oh, well, you know, if you're it, look. Making games ain't easy, and even if this one's kind of trash, at least someone took the time, I guess. Absolutely. Hey, speaking of um, deadly encounters in Space Fox... Oh, yeah? Yeah. Thrill for the VCs. Man, this goes out in a bit of a blaze of glory. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, script robot for the VCs is Jerry Finley Day. Art robot is John Richardson. Lettering robot is the Aldrich Mark II. So, uh, the three remaining VCs fight their way to the power room of the flagship. Mm -hmm. to sh and, they're, and, they're sh and they shut off the primary power of the ship, preventing the head diplomat or dishwasher from being coerced into sending the fleet to their doom. Uh, Smith, Jupe, and Ringer make their way to the bridge and use the blackout to spring an ambush on the geek. On the geeks, there's some pretty good uh, uh, blasting action here, as well as an awesome pun where they say, hey, get this power back on. Like, oh, you better be careful that you did because you just switched on the vacuum cleaners, and then they start shooting. Um. Yeah, which, like, this whole setup was, like, Jupe could do shit in the dark, but then they just turned on some, like, glow sticks, and then that, like, Jupe didn't do much other than, like, kind of hit some dude and then help a guy get shot hey jupe's doing fine for a blind dude um i'll be honest it's true <laughs> so uh with the threat seemingly defeated though the dishwasher pulls a gun on smith worried that smith will tell everybody about the dishwasher's cowardice in the face of the enemy ringer intervenes and both he and the dishwasher end up killing each other a teocles and polynesis style Except that one of them has a kill disc, throws it at the fucking dishwasher's head, and then his head is severed from his body. It's pretty awesome. 
Oh, so fucking cool. That's why you gotta have the VCs in black and white, dude. You can't do that in color. <laughs> no, no, you cannot. <laughs> also, um, you know, I always like a good ancient Greek uh, dra- uh, drama me- reference. Anyhow, um... Agree. The much cooler cyborg General Moore is now in control, and he intends to use this failed Trojan horse to the fleet's advantage. Greek stuff going all over the place. Anyhow, um... Yeah. The plan is simple. Moore will pilot the flagship back to the Geek fleet, getting as close as possible to the command ship. They won't tell the rest of the fleet, and when they head out, this will cause the, fl- uh, the fleet to follow the flagship at a safe distance. Once they get close enough to the uh, command ship, Smith will fire all the flagship's weapons, destroying Geek High Command. Got it? Let's go. Yeah, but there's one problem. <laughs> well, He's all fucked up from getting all fucked up. Yeah, so in hyperspace, is super rough on his wounds. He starts to pass out even before, although before that, General Moore gives him an energy tablet to keep him awake. <laughs> they approach the geek ship, and everything's going good, but then Smith starts to fade out. He can't fire. Is the attack a failure? No! The ghostly voices of the dead VCs help Smith retain consciousness and open fire on Geek High Command, vaping them all! There's some uh, there's some Star Wars shit going on in this yeah. section. Some superheated space battling, a quick yeah. ground invasion, the war yeah. is won! The geeks, the geeks agree to terms and their society will be rebuilt from the ground up. I guess Japan after World War II style. Um... But what's all this red carpeting for? Well, as Smith gets out of sickbay, he sees that there's a delegation of more dishwashers coming over to take charge of the peace process. As they sort of accept the dead dishwashers' personal effects, they reveal that all dishwashers have a secret last log entry in their signet rings. Mm. And it uh, the log starts up and it's about to just sort of say that Smith is the worst guy ever and should be um, executed or something. <laughs> But before they can do that, blind old Jupe accidentally shows up with a vacuum cleaner and destroys the ring. Whoops. Oh, man. What was he saying? Oh, don't worry about it. Oh, uh, he was saying that he should get a commendation. As a result, Smith is promoted to second lieutenant and (laughs) will now get his own ship to help fight the wars to come. The end of the VCs. God. God. uh, Everybody died except for Jupe, which... Damn. Yeah, and, uh, well, and, uh, yeah, Jupe was blind and then Smith was okay. The VCs will return, but not until 2002, so don't hold your breath. Holy um, crap. Jerry Finley Day and Cam Kennedy, who is the artist for a lot of uh, the VCs stuff, will be back in a year or two in the pages of Rogue Trooper. Oh, cool. I have heard of this. It's one of the big ones, yeah. So, hey, speaking of, um, wait, no, I don't know. Things ending? Nah, that's dumb. Um, Speaking of... Of crazy explosions. Let's go. There we go. It's Thrill 5 Robo Hunter. Hell yeah. Script robot for Robo Hunter is John Wagner. Writing is T.B. Grover. Art robots Ian Gibson. Lettering robots Steve Potter. Are you ready for some football? Hey, uh, Monday night... We know. When does this come out? Yeah, Thursday night's a great night for football. Uh, Oh, Call John Madden, because we're about to have an explosive game. I'm making a a Last Boy Scout reference. No one gets that. Anyhow, um, Sam, Hoagie, and Stogie are entering the God Droids headquarters. 
The mob droids give chase, but the number one hit squad stops them because they're on strike and anyone who enters City Hall will be crossing the picket line and the mobsters, though evil, are not scabs. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Sam fights his way through City Hall as robot doctors labor on the god droid's damaged oil pump. Eventually, Sam ends up in the kitchens, and he has a plan. He ices a huge garbage can to look oh. like a cake, and he has Hoagie take the cake into the god droid. Just as any, everybody realizes the god droid didn't order a giant cake, Sam pops out of it with a Tommy gun. How about some lead cookies instead? Bah! I swear to God, this whole comic is just Looney Tunes. <laughs> It's, I mean, this part, delivering a cake with Hoagie just sort of, like, breezing through with a giant cake and everybody being like, duh, but the god droid didn't order a cake, is 100% Looney Tunes. It's amazing. So, uh, Sam guns down the god droid's guards, weakens the god droid himself, he chucks the football bomb into the god droid's open fuel pump casing, and as the god droid pleads for his life, Sam shoots the bomb, causing the metal mobster to explode! Nothing left but the man's head. I just want to say, in a, in a telling uh, typo in my notes here, I have uh, I, I, I call Sam, Sam Slade dread, like, twice. Anyhow, um... <laughs> And yeah, the, the day of the droids is over, a victory, there's a victory parade, and the mayor gives Sam his just reward, 1,000 credits. Sorry, we'd give you more, but, but we, we got a city to rebuild. What the hell? It's not even going to, like, cover costs. Exactly. Plus, Molotov takes the mic and explains the concessions that the robots got for, for the elimination. Uh, um, sorry, the concessions he's gotten for the robots for their help with the robot war. Most of them seem very minor, like, possibi- like possibilities of limited freedoms after 65 years of service and yeah. stuff. But there's one big one, and that's the elimination of the job of Robo Hunter. Which... Which means Sam's out of a job. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys... Look, some some people murder. Some robots also murder. You're not going to have people get the murder robots, I guess. Whatever. That's how it goes, you know? Um, <laughs> so, Sam decides... So, with that, so Sam's out of a job. Um, he's going to move to a more ro- robo-hunter-friendly place. The, uh, the land of a Britsit. Which is, uh, you know, basically England in uh, the world of Judge Dredd. Um, no hoagie can't come along, or at least that's the plan. On the zoom tube to Britsit, Sam wonders if his luck will change until he hears a familiar voice behind him, and it's hoagie in a Carmen Miranda costume. Here we go again! Oh, God. Why are you crying, Sam? Probably because this is an inescapable hell and torture that I don't deserve. Aw, <laughs> oh, Sam, Sam's okay with it. Um, uh. And that's it for Robo Hunter for now. Robo Hunter will return to the 2080 uh, roster for Britsit Adventures in 1982. Okay, not bad. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. It's in like it's easy to forget that. Um, Robo Hunter takes place in the Judge Dredd world, and like technically, I feel like all of this was taking place in like Mega City One, but like in like twenty one forty or something. So kind of late in Judge Dredd's adventures, it might actually become like if they figure out a way to put uh, this wacky ass Day of the Droids into modern <laughs> Judge Dredd, I will I will applaud uproariously. <laughs> I mean. Because the, maybe, right? Because the Brit sits also in Judge Dredd and stuff like that. Like, there's, we'll, we'll, they, have, we'll have a bunch of Brit sit stuff, especially when we get to uh, the Judge Dredd magazine and things like that. 
But they specifically, like, have cops. It's true. They don't have judges. So that's an interesting... Yeah, that's a good counterpoint, actually. Maybe but, it's... But have they... But have they ever talked about judges in the... I mean... In RoboHunter before? I feel the, like they have, but I, maybe, I can't nah, remember. Not really. Like, the link's very weak. Like, it just kind of, like... It's mostly just based on the entry of the first... Um, ro- like, on the first episode of the first RoboHunter, we kind of said he's in Mega City 1 and stuff like that. But I don't know if there's been a lot of setup and things. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, maybe there's cops. Who knows? Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, this could just be one district of Mega City 1, for instance, where they maybe don't yeah. have a big judge presence because they have other stuff. They, they, they can make it work. They, they've got a bunch of busty lady cops instead of judges <laughs> patrolling the streets. Yeah. It's true. Anyhow. Thrill 6, Rojas, Robo Tales. <sighs> Watch your humes. We got three Robo Tales this week. Fuck yeah. There's a... The first one is The Contender. Script robot Gary Rice, art robot Brett Ewins, lettering robot Jack Potter. So, at Charlie's gym, the key to the gym's success is sparring sparring with the robot Slugger, the boxing robot. Slugger's a pretty good robot. He's very loyal, but he's tired of sparring. He wants to be a real boxer. Can't Charlie give him a chance? And, like, his big thing is that, like, he learns your moves as you're fighting him so he's using them against you and like making it harder so you constantly have to think like even more ahead making you a better fighter like it's just an all-around like very skilled robot absolutely yeah um so charlie's worried about this because he doesn't want to lose the robot but like he also doesn't want robots getting into the fighting game basically Mm -hmm. um so Sorry. So his so Charlie's buddy suggests a plan. They'll have a boxing match between Slugger and a human. And um, Slugger, using his robot ability, is able to beat the human pretty easily. So easily, in fact, that it turns out Slugger has killed his opponent. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Yeah. Luckily, this turns out to be a ruse set up by Charlie to get Slugger to just be content with sparring with people. And the guy actually hasn't died. But Which you can tell he's kind of taken it rough because he never meant to kill anybody. He just yeah, wanted to box. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that would mess up any fighter. Charlie re- returns to the gym and he finds Slugger lying in the lying in the ring. He's committed robo-side because he couldn't face having killed a human, which ch- serves this guy Charlie right for being a huge jerk. And a single tear coming out of his robotic eye. Yeah, this was a super, like, I don't want to beep this one because this is a super sad, tragic story I, about, about Slugger, dude. I loved this Rojas Robo Tale. Like, yeah. as as I got to it, this, this is, like, it's really well written. And uh, if you go through it, it's actually funny because the, the guy who owns Slugger, he actually is going through these, like, moral like dilemmas of like yeah. i really do want him to like try it out because he's he's like a son to me basically but at yeah. the same time like my business runs on this robot being here and i think that it it would like people wouldn't take him seriously basically yeah. it's it's kind of an interesting like yeah. moral situation where he then chooses like the worst option <laughs> yeah definitely so, <laughs> Yeah. No, this is a, yeah, this is a good story, I thought. The next one is uh, The Robo Shrink. Script robot Gary Rice, art robot Jay Higgins, letting robot the, the Aldrich March, uh, Mark II. This one's a little God. weirder. Um, in, oh, God. In like, the future, really? Yeah, in the future, infallible robot psychiatrists give out quality advice and therapy for 50 credits a pop until one starts going crazy itself, telling people to, like, murder and break stuff. Yeah. 
several clients are arrested, people are killed, and stuff is broken. Um, it gets so tra- how do you fix it? Well, it gets tra- traced back to the shrink. So what's to be done? Well, let's have the robo shrink gets analyzed by another robot shrink. Beep beep beep. <laughs> <laughs> This yeah. one's kind of weird, and the robot shrinks are very creepy looking with, like, long necks and stuff like that. None of them look like they are good people. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Everybody's evil here. It's good It's good times. Um, the final story <laughs> is The Dating Game. Script oh, robot Alan Moore, art robot Dave Gibbons, lettering robot Tom Frame. Uh, mm-hmm. So, Myron Fubel is a rich guy, but he's lonely. He fills out a dating, a computer dating form... Uh, one night, and soon after, he receives like sci-fi flowers in the mail from an admirer. But who is They're it? Constantly singing. Yeah, they all sing like love songs, basically. They're like Venus flytraps that that sing love songs. But, but it's like plant-based, like love songs. It's true. It's they're, weird. They're plant pun. They're like plant pun love songs. There's a lot going on with it. Um, <laughs> but who send them to him? We soon learn that it's not a human, but the Central City Computer. It, Which whoa! It read Myron's form when he transmitted it, and it's and the computer's fallen in love. Despite mm. the fact that the computer seems actually like pretty helpful, gives him free parking yeah. and stuff. Uh, Myron's pretty freaked out by this, and eventually tells the computer to leave him alone and that he hates it. And yeah, and then just starts breaking all of his shit and like saying some really terrible stuff and strangling the flowers. Yeah. He's the, not exactly the nicest guy to this reception. And this is a mistake. Because now the whole city and everything in it is treating him like a jilted lover. Even his electric toothbrush attacks him. Myron is forced to live on the street, destitute, eating from garbage cans. When a new litter bin is installed near like this sort of just campsite that he's built, like in the middle of like nowhere, basically, he he checks it out, forgetting that one day even litter bins will be computerized. He's dragged yeah. in and ground to death by the bin. Oh, beep beep beep! Jesus, it's awesome. <laughs> It gotta, really is awesome. I gotta say, I don't see a lot of downsides with the city computer with the, with the city computer being in love with you. Like that seems pretty Look, awesome, honestly. <laughs> as as somebody who's dated a city computer, you really just gotta let them down easy. But you gotta let them in. I feel like the I don't know. It, like it's a crazy ex. I'm telling you that right now. Yeah, but I, you know, maybe this is this is my own thing going on. But just just like with those like um crazy ladies that sort of uh, pursue you until you're dead, like fatal attraction or something. Like if you're mm-hmm. if you just date them and you aren't cheating on your wife, it seems like a pretty cool relationship. Actually, I don't know. Like they they, they like you and stuff. Like that's more than I could and- say for some people. <laughs> Exactly. And they've got like the propensity for crazy, which generally means if someone fucks with you, I mean, they're going to fuck with someone back, especially if they're the central computer. I mean, it seems like you could get so much with the central computer that controls the entire city being your girlfriend. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I I am I completely agree. Call uh D, uh DM me central uh, city computers anyhow. Um let's <laughs> Speaking of things that are potentially a ripoff, though, Fox. Uh, oh God! Let's go to Thrill Seven, the Great Human Ripoff. So, script robot is Alan Grant writing as uncredited art robots Carlos Escara, letting robots Tony Tony Jacob. So, oh no! <laughs> Celebrities from around the world are being teleported away. 
and the president of the United States. He's a celebrity. Uh, first soccer ah. soccer great Kevin Keegan goes, then President Jimmy Carter. I'm uh, glad that we're just stealing likenesses now, guys. Interestingly, not likenessed is um, is a British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, who um, in her fourth <laughs> in her fourth appearance in the comic, surrounded by various government types, um, mentally contacts Tharg. Which, what the fuck? Meanwhile, the Mighty One is yelling at assistant editor droid AALN1 that several pages of artwork from the Mick McMahon robot are missing. And it's a big deal. It's important, man. Yeah, to the point that he dismisses Thatcher's mental call to track these pages down. But when Tharg and AALN1 uh, backtrack McMahon, they see that he's also disappeared. And right next to him is a Zrag Rules OK graffiti. That is not all right. Fuck Zrag. Exactly. It's time to settle the hash of those dictators of Zrag. So Tharg hits the various buttons on King's Reach Tower, turns, which turns it back into a spaceship and rocks it off to the Zrag homeworld. At Zrag, we see the Earth collection of the Zrag Zoo. Ugh, Zrag. <laughs> which uh, has got a ton of celebrities. It's got Harrison Ford and Telly Savalas and Muhammad Ali and Linda Carter and even the scruffy-looking Mick McMahon bot. It's, uh, you know, quite handsome. The tower arrives under heavy fire from the Zrag air defense grid, and as McMahon looks on, it crashes. Oh no! So, as King's Reach crashes, uh, my boy Jimmy Carter tries to reason with the dictators, and they do that thing where they shoot at the ground and make him dance for his trouble. Meanwhile, wow, that's smart. <laughs> my peanuts. Meanwhile, <laughs> Tharg teleports next to the McMahon bot, demanding the Dredge Dread pages for this week explaining that, that the de- destroyed tower was just a hologram. Yeah, come on, bro. Tharg makes to leave and just leave all these celebrities to their plight because he's got his pages. But um, Mick McMahon asks the Mighty One to save the celebrities, and he advises. The fight begins as AALN1 leaves the landed skyscraper to go to Which investigate. He's supposed to do. Yeah. I'm just saying. He's supposed to just stay in the closet. He sees Tharg under the gun of a... Th- of a Zragian disintegrator. That ain't right. Yeah. Alan attacks and is blown up. Oh no! But you know what this does? When you blow up something that Sargs, oh boy. He grows. Not a, not a great idea. <laughs> he grows to super size and traps the Zragian dictators in their own sign for their own zoo. Yeah, man. Thrag, or, uh, Tharg the Wrathful is uh, not to be trifled with. Yeah, man. It's hard to get new editors. Uh, Tharg then heads home and returns the aliens to their rightful places, more or less. Kind of. Yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> J- J- Jimmy Carter kicks a goal for the English national team. Uh, Kevin Keegan delivers a speech to various uh, diplomats and stuff in Carter's place. Um, yeah, it works out. All is well that ends well, except for AALN1, the Alan Grant bot, who will be replaced by another editor droid soon. Note that this comic roughly syncs up with the actual Alan Grant leaving the job of assistant editor for of 2000 AD to work as a freelance writer, mostly with John Wagner. Um, and we'll see the version of the new assistant editor, Richard Burton, in the, in the pages of upcoming progs. Bye, Alan. Hey, he's still with us, dude. He wrote a bunch of the uh, of the of the of the Judge Child stuff this week. Um, All right, Fox. That's it for thrills this month. Holy crap! Whoa, it's a lot. A lot going on this month. A lot of a uh, lot of uh, ends to storylines, both good and bad. Um, just a lot of stuff going on. What is your top thrill of this month? 
uh, or I guess of this period, September and or August and September of 1980. So, like, I I've been struggling with this, and I, I we can do two kind of. So whatever. Uh, Rojas Robotales was outstanding. Nice. Like I loved every single one of them, uh, especially uh, Slugger, or I yeah. guess it was called the Boxer or something like yeah. that, right? Like the Contender. The contender it was really, really good, and started this out like in a very different sort of tone that followed it through each of the other two. Yeah, I agree. Really well drawn, really well written. Rice is like has a very demented mind for this kind of thing, um, mm-hmm. and it's not just like a joke twist. Although, I mean, the the shrink one kind of was, but it was also pretty dark. Yeah, um, I, I liked that a lot more than what they usually do. Not that I don't like schlock. But they were just uh, yeah. It's it's neat when they kind of think bizarre. about yeah. I yeah. I I don't know if it's my top, but I definitely agree that yeah. Like the these Robo Tales really are really trying to like build a little world or tell a little story and stuff that's really like very interesting and make some very fun stories. But if we are talking about just base thrills, like that's Judge Dread. Like nice, easily hands down. Holy crap, that was amazing. The um. Yeah, all of the stuff with um, all the stuff with what you calls it. Sorry, oh god, I'm all over the place. All all the stuff with the jigsaw disease is just so terrifying, and then <laughs> the stuff on Xanadu is really neat, and even like the miniaturized dread stuff is really fun too. Yeah, I um, I think like just like where it starts from from this man falling apart mm-hmm. to where it ends with. Like I, I don't know what Judge Dredd is going to do about this Judge Child. Like, mm. it, especially because like I didn't really notice until you had pointed out that he's kind of getting unhinged in a certain way, mm-hmm. and I wonder if some amount of that is due to like kind of facing down this thing that he was like, this is a very important thing. We're gonna go and do this, and it turns out that the kid's kind of maybe fucking evil. Yeah, I think it's an interest. Yeah, definitely. The twists and turns of the Judge Child story are super interesting, I think. But so that's awesome, Fox. But what's your what 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 thrill was the uh, had the Wolfie least Smith. thrill power? Wolfie Smith. <laughs> Wolfie Smith. Goodbye, Wolfie. Bye. You were weird. Like it was the it's the teenager of this comic book. Like wasn't like horrible the way that say Angel was or or Death Planet or something. <laughs> uh but it was it sure was awkward and terrible and like made me feel oogie <laughs> all of the time like all the oogie feelings and now it's gone and it's running away with all of the rats of its kind and <laughs> there it will stay in the sewers to like lead its miserable existence and godspeed <laughs> yeah that's fair <laughs> so conrad back at you what was the most overloadingly super thrilled thing that you read in I mean, this episode fifty-two. I mean, your points about the Robo Tales were, were are are very good, but it's got to be Judge Dread this week, man. Um, like, I mean, just for the same reasons you said. Um, this is another. I don't know if I said it, but this is another one where we get stories from all three of the Dread artists with um, Brian Ballin doing the Jigsaw guy and Ron Smith doing the Salesman, and then Mick McMahon doing the uh, the the stuff on the planet Xanadu. Um, mm-hmm. 
And, it, you know, the, the changes in art really make things sort of, um, we're both, but it marks them as episodes, but also just kind of makes this story really interesting and, like, just the different artists really play to their strengths. And, because, yeah. like, you know, you get, like, Bolland, who is, like, um, you know, because he's got such a realistic style, um, it really makes Prosser falling apart have a lot of extra weight to it. Um, and then just the chaos of what's going on inside all the cases, all of the uh, inside Quince's cases and stuff really shines for Ron Smith. And then just all of these like sort of desert towns full of violent people and stuff like mutants and whatnot really let um, Mick McMahon sort of go crazy. That's also really neat. <laughs> Letting your artists completely go unhinged and yeah, do their thing. Why not? Yeah. Um, it's a comic book. And I just, and just, yeah. And like you're saying, just, yeah, the, um, just the way they're sort of building to a head with, um, with, with dread, what we're seeing with his character, just from the Lopez thing to his actions on, um, like the, like on like the, uh, the war world and then Necros and stuff. It's really like, I feel like this is giving us dread as an actual character and the way he reacts to things in a way that we, we, we maybe haven't seen in dread stories up until this point, I guess. Yeah. He's becoming a little bit less of a blank slate, which I think is an interesting evolution for Dread, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, for my bottom thrill, yeah, Wolfie Smith, man, it's the comic's bad. <laughs> um, I do kind of, I don't think it's the least thrilling, and it's just mostly just because I love it so much and it's disappointed me, but man, I wish the um, Stainless Steel Rat hadn't ended with sort of a hand wave, that's time travel yeah. for you kind of ending, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, it... it it was funny the whole way through, but it wasn't say like Robo Hunter ended better, right? yeah. And it's also a fairly silly comic. Yeah, it just it it, it didn't quite stick the landing with the end, you know, because no. it just because he ends up escaping and then just being defeated because he's caught in a paradox. We don't really get to see that paradox or anything. They just sort of talk about like like if you skipped through Koi Poo's like giant wall of text word bubble in there, you could miss the story like. You could miss the victory. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, um, and I don't know if it's worth reading for it, right? Yeah. It's just like, it's just the whole thing. So, yeah, so that that could have been better, but definitely doesn't make this the least thrilling uh, strip. I'll be, I'm super stoked to get to some new stuff just so we can sort of, you know, get to have some, have some more discussions about what's the least thrilling because Wolfie Smith, for its time, has just sort of always been on the bottom, so that's sort of a bummer. Yeah. Um, God, is this going to be like entering another era of difficult to say what was least thrilling again? Oh, what a problem. Everything's so good. Oh, what's, what's going to happen? <laughs> because because sometimes <laughs> I like expecting Ant Wars to be bad, and then it's really good. Yeah, you know? I think I think there, there'll be some of that for sure. Um, okay. Yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> I hope everybody enjoyed the show. You can always find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or our podcast site at Cradaline.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at SpaceSpinner2K. For everything else, look up Space Spinner 2000. We should be there. We're also on the 2080 forum. Um, come back Lurk. next... Yeah, lurking like crazy. Come back next time as now that we've had everything except for Judge Dredd finished, we'll take a short break from Weekly Progs as the 1980 annual season starts. 
We'll begin with the 2080 annual, then later in the week we'll have the historic first Judge Dredd annual, which I'm very excited about. Um, Sweet. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. Until next time, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendig Berthrig! Splendig Berthrig! Splendig Berthrig!